Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Redemption HD podcast. We hope that this episode blesses you, that it encourages you. If you want to know more about Redemption High Desert, you could visit our website at redemptionhighdesert.com. Also, follow us on all social media platforms at Redemption760. Here we go, live from Redemption HD. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's go ahead and read verse number 15. Why don't you guys read that out loud for me? Go ahead. I know we have different versions. It's okay. Read it out loud. You're reading it to yourself. Read it out loud. <laughs> Do not be afraid because the battle is not yours. I haven't done this in a long time. (laughs) Don't be afraid. The battle is not yours, but it's... Oh, come on now. The battle is the Lord's. Don't worry. Don't be dismayed. Do not be afraid for the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, as we get into your word, we pray and ask that you would speak to us. Lord, let your word, which we know is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, we ask, God, that you would pierce the depths of our heart and cause us to rise up, to rise up in the victory that you have won on the cross. Lord, speak to us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Let everything that we do be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Don't be afraid, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. The mental battle that you're in does not belong to you, but it is God's. The physical battle that you are in does not belong to you, it belongs to God. The spiritual battle that you are in does not belong to you. It belongs to God. The battle in your family, the battle with your marriage, whatever you're going through right now, I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid because the battle is not yours, but it's God's. A couple weeks ago, I kept hearing the Lord tell me, I'm going to teach you how to fight. And I kept hearing it over and over in my spirit for days. I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight. And then all of a sudden he changed and he said, I'm going to teach you that it's not you who fight, but I who fight for you. He took me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He took me to this verse, verse 15. And as soon as I read it, my spirit began to stand to rise to the occasion. Because even though we're in the midst of a battle... It's not ours to fight, but it's God's. The way that you fight is not a matter of what you do, but the way that you fight is a matter of you recognizing God fighting for you. The problem takes place when we fight for ourselves. Because the moment you begin to fight for everything that you want, You're depending on your own strength, your own resources, your own knowledge. 
The capacity of who you are is now in charge of providing the source in order for you to win the battle. But the moment you step back and say, God, this is not my, my, my fight, but it's yours, is the moment God's victory begins to manifest in your life. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. Amen? Amen. So what do we do? What do we do when we go through a spiritual battle? What do we do when we go through a battle in our marriage? What do we do when we go through a battle in our finances? What do we do when we're going through a mental battle? What do we do? How do we fight? Pastor, if I'm supposed to get out the way and just let God be God, then what do I do? Thank you for asking this morning. <laughs> Let's go ahead and go to the top of this chapter, chapter 20, starting in verse number 1. Chapter 20, verse 1 says... It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now Jehoshaphat is the king and they're coming against him and his kingdom. All of his enemies are coming against him. Let's go ahead and keep reading verse 2. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria. And they're in Hazazam. Hazazon Tamar, which is in Egedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat is the king. He is at this point one of the only righteous kings left in the land. He is establishing a kingdom that is returning back to fearing God and keeping God's word. But in the midst of this, all of his enemies are coming against him. It's not just one problem, but he's got three problems. It's not like he's just facing a battle that's in front, but he's got a battle in front and a battle on its sides. Sometimes that's the way life is. Not only are my bills due, but they just cut my hours. Not only am I having a hard time at work, but when I go home, there's warfare in my house. Not only am I fasting and I haven't been able to eat food for some days, but now I got COVID. Sometimes the battle seems to surround us at all sides. But it may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by God. This is the faith. This is the mindset. This is the heart. This is what needs to be running through your mind is though even though hell is coming against you from every angle, there is one who stands before you who is taking on the very battle at hand. You can't stand there and think that the fight that you're in, God is standing back just watching you. Let me tell you, if somebody started to surround my son. <laughs> If somebody started to mess with my son, there's going to be a problem. So don't think for one minute that in the midst of your battle, God is standing on the side saying, I don't know. He's saying, just like he said in verse 15, don't worry about this. Don't worry about the enemy that's coming towards you. Don't worry about the enemy that's coming at you. Don't worry about the enemy that's trying to surprise you from behind. This battle is not yours to fight. It's mine. Jehoshaphat, in the middle of being surrounded by his enemies, look at what he does. Verse number, uh, verse number three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. 
You know, God did not give us the spirit of fear. But he did give us emotions. God gave us emotions. Our emotions are to help us experience our relationship with him, our relationship with others. Emotions aren't bad. But it's what you allow your emotions to do that makes the difference. Either you have a grip on your emotions or your emotions have a grip on you. And when fear arises, it's okay as long as fear doesn't grip your heart. <coughs> well, Pastor, we shouldn't be afraid. Well, fear is also the beginning of wisdom. So fear is an indicator to open up your eyes to the things of God in a way that you didn't open your eyes before. And so when fear begins to fill your heart, don't let it grip you, but grip fear. Take a hold of fear. Let me just put some pressure on the men here. Because we need to lead by example. When things begin to hit the fan and pressure begins to sit on our shoulders, don't curl up in a corner. Rise to the occasion and do what you have to do for yourself and your family and your kids. Step up. Rise to the occasion. Take those responsibilities that feel so heavy. Throw them over your back. Set your eyes on the Lord and say, let's go, God. So I got this. Look at what Jehoshaphat does. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared, and what did he do? He set himself to do what? He set himself. He was afraid of the battle. He was afraid of the warfare. He was afraid of everything coming at him. And his fear, rather than his fear taking him to push him in a corner, rather than his fear taking him to run and hide, rather than his fear taking him to a place where he complained and was down and out, he took that fear and used it to set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself, he commanded himself, he instructed himself, he disciplined himself, he told himself there is no other option. I am in a war, but I'm not going to back down. I might be afraid, but I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord. You guys, we need to set ourselves to seek the Lord. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about watching sermons online. I'm not talking about that. And that and all that stuff is good and we need to do that. But listen, I'm not your source. This building is not your source. Sunday is not your source. We need to set ourselves to seek the Lord. Not just open our Bibles on Sundays. Not just listen to worship music when the band is up here. But we need to set ourselves daily to seek God. Can we get back to seeking God? Can we get away of just going to church and start seeking his face, hearing his voice, feeling his presence? Can we get back to where we lock ourselves in the prayer closet? We get off of social media and we begin to sit with God. Listen, I love podcasts. I read books. I watch sermons. But nothing replaces my face-to-face time with God. Listen, you can show me a commercial of a double Whopper with cheese on TV. And as good as that looks and sounds right about now. 
Nothing is better than when I get to sit down and eat that with some fries. Little tapatio on there. That's right, I put tapatio on every fast food item I eat. I don't want, I don't want your hot sauce. Terrible. My wife always tells me, get me mild. I got a Costco-sized tapatio. One that you have to hold with two hands like that. We, we come on Sundays and we love church. We love the presence. We love worship. We love to hear God's word. But I'm telling you guys right now, this is the difference maker. I appreciate this. We love this. We love community. We love fellowship. This is necessary. Okay? Don't ever think that you don't have to go to church. Okay? You need to be in church. Okay? I know some, some people are still watching online, but if you can get here, you should be here. And the reason this is all important, but what is greater than this is your face to face encounter with the Lord. It's when you again, I'm not against podcasts or sermons because I do that all the time. I listen to sermons all the time, but nothing beats when I just sit here and I hear his voice for myself. When I talk with him, when I process life with him, when I allow him to rebuke me and correct me. When I allow him to challenge my faith. When I allow him to lead my marriage and to lead my family, there's nothing better than that. Jehoshaphat didn't run to social media. He didn't run to any other counsel. He sought the Lord. Is there anyone in here that is setting themselves to seek God? 21 days of prayer and fasting, 21 days of setting ourselves apart to hear from the Lord, to encounter his presence, to be in his word. Is there anyone in here that has set themselves to seek God, not to do church, not to be ministers, not not so that we can post stuff on social media and look at all my spiritual quotes. None of that stuff. Have we sought? Have we positioned our heart to seek God? Have we gotten to a place where the only thing that matters is hearing his voice? Have we gotten to the place where the only thing that we hunger and thirst for is him? Pastor, I got a lot going on. I have a family and my work and all kinds of stuff. That's exactly why you need to be on your face seeking God. Because apart from him, you won't be the husband or the wife that God has called you to be. Apart from God, you will not be the parent that he's called you to be. Apart from God, you will not be the employee or the employer. You will not be able to fulfill all that God has for you if you do it away from him. So every day we should rise up and seek his face. Before anything else, rise up and seek his face. Set aside time for you and the Lord. Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. His fear didn't grip him, but he grabbed fear by the neck. And he says, come on, we need to talk. Is that what we're doing with what we're facing today? Taking our depression, taking our anxiety, taking our frustration, our anger. Taking our ungodly thoughts, our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our jealousy, our judgmental spirit. Are we taking those things by the neck and say, look, you're coming with me. Are we allowing these things to take such a hold of our lives that we can barely move forward 
in what God has called us to do. Step one to fighting the battle is understanding that God's fighting for you. The second step is to get out of the way and begin to seek his face while he does what he does. Amen? Am I preaching today or are you guys still sleeping? <laughs> he set himself to seek the Lord. And look at what he did. Hallelujah. What did he do? Go ahead and finish that sentence for me. Don't put away your Bible. Don't, don't, don't sit at the dinner table and watch me eat. He called a fast. How funny is that, Eddie? You know what? When God started to tell me that he was going to teach us how to fight, when God took me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, when God began to let this word echo in my spirit, when I was sitting there in my prayer closet feeling the, the, the presence of the, of the Lord causing me to rise up, I didn't, get, I didn't start at the beginning of this chapter. I started in verse 15. I started in verse 15 and I just said, okay, Lord, the battle is yours. The battle is yours. Then when I began to read the story and I saw that Jehoshaphat called to fast, I knew that redemption was on to something. I knew that redemption was on to something because what God was saying to me and what he's saying to us is that he's called us to a fast for a reason. Let me tell you guys, the fast will not bring you victory. Fasting does not bring you victory. Oh, pastor, this doesn't help me. Fasting does not bring you victory. But when you fast, when you rid yourself of pleasure, when you bring your flesh into a place of submission, your spirit man becomes stronger. And now you are more aware of the victory that God has already given you. See, fasting makes you aware of who God is. Fasting isn't anything that's, it's not, a, it's not a machine. And oh, I'm fasting now, age seven, here comes the Funyuns. With some tapatio on the big bottle. Too. <laughs> Little Billy one. Fasting is to deny yourself of everything that you want in order to take hold of everything that God has for you. When you can tell yourself, I'm not going to allow myself to indulge in these pleasures. I'm not going to allow myself the benefit of taking hold of these things that I love. I'm not going to do that in order for me to bring my heart fully to God. I don't want to give any part of my heart, God, to anything or anyone else but you. So in this moment, I'm ridding myself of everything so that I can have all that you are. And the moment you do that is the moment you begin to realize how victorious you are. You begin to realize that the victory is already yours. But you don't know that when you're feeding your flesh, when you're fulfilling the lust of your heart, when you're giving yourself everything that you want, every pleasure, and you're giving yourself everything that you crave, and you're feeding yourself all of those things, because you're full on that, you'll never be full on God. And you have to be aware of everything that God has for you. This is part of the victory that we have in the midst of the battle. Amen. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast to Judah. So Judah gathered. They gathered together to ask help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So it wasn't just on Jehoshaphat. 
But there was a corporate gathering, a corporate fast, corporate prayer. You know, we're praying here every Tuesday and every Wednesday from 6 to 8, the sanctuary is open. And let me just tell you, no, I'm not guilting anyone or condemning anyone, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Is that Tuesdays and Wednesdays should be just as packed as Sundays. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so if you're not showing up on Tuesday and Wednesday just because you don't want to, then you're not recognizing the moment that God is inviting us into. God is calling us into corporate fasting and prayer. And if you think, well, I think God is calling me more into separate prayer, you're wrong. He's calling us into corporate prayer. We can talk about individual prayer time and alone time after this 21 days. But for right now, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we're coming to seek the face of the Lord together. We're posturing our heart. We're positioning our heart before God saying, God, I don't want anything else but you. You're fighting for me, so let me take this posture here. While you fight, God, let me stay here. You fight, God. You be the shield. You be the sword. You go before me. I'm staying right here. So I'm going to deny myself of everything that I love in order for me to have all that you are. This is where you find victory. This is where you find victory. You don't don't find victory trying to win for yourself. You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble when you try to lead the show. And to step back and allow God to be God in your life is not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength. Faith and trust in God is a sign of strength. When you can get out of the way and say, there's one greater than I. The great I am, who's wiser, stronger, more powerful than I am. To get out of the way and let God be God in your life, you're going to see mountains move. But the moment that you begin to put your hands on the tools and the weapons and saying, God, I got this, is the moment he says, okay, let's see how you handle it. We all know where that gets us sometimes, right? It gets me nowhere. Let's keep reading here. Verse number... Verse number five, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Can I just tell you that everything that Jehoshaphat is saying to God, it wasn't like God forgot. It wasn't like God was hearing Jehoshaphat and was like, oh, I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot that I was the God of heaven and the earth. Like God wasn't there shocked at what Jehoshaphat was saying. He wasn't standing there going, oh, oh, that's, he didn't like look around like, Jehoshaphat, you talking to me? Jehoshaphat declaring who God was wasn't for God, but it was for Jehoshaphat. Let me tell you what praise and worship and why it's so powerful. Praise and worship isn't because God needs to hear it. You need to hear it. You need to hear who he is. You need to hear what he does. You need to hear about God. You need to remind yourself and tell your circumstance and situation who God is. And so praise and worship... As you begin to sing a song, as you begin to lift your voice, 
The reason why you feel elevated above your problems in the midst of praise and worship is because as you declare who he is, everything in you bows to the name of Jesus. Jehoshaphat was declaring who God was, and that put him in a position of faith and trust. This is why when we praise and when we worship, don't stay silent. Don't stay silent. Some people don't like a loud church. I don't want to be in a quiet one. If the church ain't loud, then something ain't right. If we can't lift up a sound of praise, a sound of worship, if we can't declare from our mouth who God is, then who really has control of your tongue? If we stay silent in the midst of a song where we're declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of God, who is leading your worship in that moment? Sometimes you have to get to a place where you sing out loud. It doesn't matter what you sound like, what you look like, who's sitting next to you. Listen, I heard some of you guys. It's obvious you don't care who's around you. You let it go. That's right. You know what? I appreciate that. Because I would rather worship next to someone who can't sing on key but is pouring out everything in them. Than someone who has a great voice and is only given to God a portion. When we come in here and we begin to praise and worship, when we begin to lift up a song, we're reminding ourselves who God is. And that's why praise and worship is so powerful. And that's why you can't wait for Sunday. You need to wake up in the morning thanking God. That's praise and worship. Praise and worship, this, this, is, this is an expression. This isn't worship. This is an expression of it. But when you wake up and you begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. When you begin to, when you come home and you get to see your family and you just say, God, thank you for my family. You know, when you go to work and you pull in and as much as you don't want to be there, you sit in that parking lot and begin to thank God for what he's given you. This is praise and worship. When you lay down at night and you lay there and even though the day was full of chaos, you can say, God, thank you that you got me through this day. That's praise and worship. We have to be people that live a lifestyle of praise and worship. Don't leave it on the musicians and the singers. Thank God for them. But they're only giving us an expression. We need to live it as a lifestyle every single day. Jehoshaphat is letting himself know, God, you are the God of the heavens and the earth. When I started prepping for this, I was going to teach the whole chapter of chapter 20. But then I realized there's no way I can get through this. So this is going to be probably a two, three week sermon. Um, but I'm going to get to what I, I'm going to get through what I can today. Amen. Verse six. Uh, actually, let's go to verse eight. Verse seven. Are you not our God who drove out all the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they will dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence stand. Amen. And you will hear and save. Ah, oh, so good. Verse 10. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are re rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's so key. When you don't know what to do in your battle, when you're going through things and there's a fight at hand, when you don't know what to do, you need to set your eyes on the Lord. 
I cannot stress it to you guys enough. You guys know we don't play church around here. We don't play church. Okay? We seek God. We follow Jesus. We're followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus. And we've chosen to live a life where our eyes are set on God. Amen? Verse 13. Now all Judah, somebody say all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. It is a family thing. Amen. It is a family thing. You know, sometimes our our spouses, our kids, they see us in a bad mood. Right. They see us when, when we're down. They see us when we're upset. Sometimes our kids see us as as parents. They see us argue with each other. And that happens. That's life. You know, no family's perfect. No marriage is perfect. We don't we don't expect it to be. But there should also be an example that is set where we bring our family together and say in the midst of the battle, we still set our eyes on the Lord. They gathered the wives, the kids together and they said, you know what, we're in a fight. But guess what? We're in this together and we're going to seek the face of the Lord together. Amen. Get your family together. Let them see you pray. Husbands. Let your wives see you pray. Let them see you. Let them hear you cry out to God. Let them hear you cover them in prayer. Husbands, let your family hear your worship. Let them see you in the word. Let them see you be faithful to the house of God. The greatest example that we could ever set. I wish I could teach Andrew how to play basketball, but I'm terrible. I wish I could show him. I could show him a little bit. Like how when they go up for a shot, you just double leg them and slam. Wrong sport. But we used to play pretty rough as kids, so that was legal back then. Maybe I can't teach my son how to play basketball, but I can teach him how to pray. You know, maybe there's a lot of things that I, I don't, I can't teach Ailey or show her. But one thing I can is how to seek the face of the Lord in the midst of a battle. Amen. Amen. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Verse upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of the son of Medaniah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly and said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Either you're in it now, you've been in it before, or there will be a day where you find yourself in it. Life happens and we go through battles and wars. Sometimes life smacks us right in the face and we don't agree with it. We didn't want it. We didn't plan for it. But things happen. What we have to learn to do, what we have to trust God in is that when the fight comes to us, that we recognize it's time to set our face to seek God. It's time to set our eyes on the Lord and let him fight for us. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at evargus760.com and also redemptionhighdesert.com.